Hello, hello, hello. This is Meg bringing you the Sword of Homecoming podcast. This is kind of um, a pop-on, a little filler, if you will. Um, I've always been a huge fan of the B-reel or the behind the scenes, the behind the foot, behind the scenes footage, um, the outtakes. And so I figured I would just pop on here and give you um, a little context. I know that the primary um, thread for my podcast is uh, eating disorder recovery through whole food plant-based, but I also wanted to just kind of paint a little picture as far as what my life was like um, and maybe give you a couple of stories, a few stories of my childhood. I had a really interesting, um, eventful, sometimes fun, sometimes not so fun um, childhood. I think that if you were to ask any of my brothers and sisters, you know, we all experience life through our own personal filter. And for some reason, my filter was um, dark and um, I just didn't have the same um, happy go luckiness to myself that um, some of my brother, most of my brothers and all of my brothers and sisters seem to have. Um, Things just felt serious to me, and um, for whatever reason, experiences and uh, affected me profoundly. Affected me, um, and so even though I think my brothers and sisters, and you would have to ask them, of course, um, would say that most of our childhood was happy and kind of um, enchanted. My dad left when I was in seventh grade and they didn't really get divorced until senior year of high school. And those years were not happy for me. Um, I didn't find a lot of joy in those days, but um, thank God for the master school. And um, during those times, uh, I did discover um, drugs and drinking. So I thought it was really important for me. And again, this is just my experience. I can't speak to anybody else's, but um, I thought I would just describe my home life a little bit um, and the normalcy of drinking in my house. Um, So I was raised, you know, big Irish Catholic family. My parents drank every single night. They had cocktails with dinner. Um, They had cocktails before dinner, they had wine with dinner, and typically they would have after dinner drinks as well. Um, You have to remember that this was uh, when my mom would feed the children before (laughs) before, um, there was any sign of my dad. So we had a separate meal um, for the seven kids. Usually a couple of friends were over, so you're talking like nine kids or so, probably on average. Um, And so these meals were... um, kind of mass productions, a lot of crock pot meals, meatloafs, um, lasagnas, macaroni and cheese with hot dogs. Not, and my mom was absolutely doing the best she could, but didn't have any nutritional information really. Um, and she had to cook for the masses. Uh, so yeah, then she would prepare this whole separate meal for her and my dad, candlelight wine, Reader's Digest. Um, yeah. And so that was the, the evening routine in our house. Um, and, and that, you know, was just the, that was normal for us. Um, also, drinking was very normal. 
every single day there was alcohol in our house. My older brothers and sisters that were in high school drank regularly. It was not, um, it wasn't a weird thing. They would be drunk on the weekends. They would come home stumbling. And I remember it very clearly, it was accepted. Uh, what was not accepted, 100% not accepted, was drugs. Um, drugs were bad and gateways to very bad things. So this is the mentality. This is the the environment in my home. Um, I got drunk for the first time that I, you know, I had tasted alcohol before this. Um, when my parents had parties, we were, you know, I would drink some, I would have sips of other of people's drinks. If there was an Irish coffee, um, and it wasn't unusual for me to taste my dad's Dewar's White Label on the rocks in the evening, just have a sip of it. And that was, you know, I don't know, very young. But the um, first time I ever remember getting actually drunk was Christmas of, uh, God, we went to Canada and it was Christmas of 85, New Year's, 85, 86. And so I was really fresh out of the hospital. I had gotten out of the hospital the end of June. I think it might have been July 1st. I'm not 100% sure of 1985. So it was that winter, um, the you know, the that winter. So um, we went to Canada and it was really like this caravan to Canada from New York. And, you know, it was a long, long drives. And um, we were all having fun and skiing. And there was a guy there, one of our instructors who said, every day is a holiday. And so one of the evenings, I don't know if it was New Year's or around New Year's, um, everybody was getting our, my brothers and sister was getting kind of hammered in the hotel room. And it was Labatt's Blue. And it was known that I was drinking as well. And I remember just getting very warm and fuzzy and the um, feeling of um, like the rattling in my head that was constantly bombarding me with calories and calories in, calories out. And do I look fat and comparing myself to every other person on the planet and wondering if people think I look fat and just this, this horrible racing thoughts all around disordered thinking around food, um, kind of just muted just a little bit. And it was so liberate. I mean, I remember it, it was just so incredibly inviting. And then I wanted to go swimming and there was a swimming pool at the hotel. And so um, I told my brothers and sisters I wanted to go swimming and they didn't really want to go swimming. So I went swimming by myself, wasted. Um, and yeah, it turned out fine. Uh, nobody got hurt. Um, the next day for skiing was awful. I believe we didn't really do too much skiing and we did some snowmobiling. Um, but yeah, Drinking was normal. Drugs were not. Um, that was kind of the, oh, you know, and it's important to mention also um, my dad's sister, his only sister, had um, quite a uh, four kids. And out of those four kids, two of them had known drug problems. And they were, you know, um, always having trouble and struggles and um, such beautiful, sensitive, lovely people. And um, 
I found them, you know, they were kind of not, I want to say pariahs, but they were um, a concern at family gatherings and they got, you know, um, concerning looks and questions and if they were even at the family gatherings. And I loved both of these um, cousins so very much and was absolutely drawn to both of them. And I found them fascinating and unique and, um, you know, in this sea of preppy, waspy, you know, private school educated people, they were just real human beings having a human experience and, and, you know, suffering. And I loved them. Um, I love all my cousins, but I really, really did um, love them. And so it's, it, it's really interesting when I think about like the history of addiction in my family. Um, I never met any of my grandparents. They were all dead before, like way dead long, long before I ever came along. And they were all either alcohol or, and, or drug related deaths. And, you know, for some reason, you know, alcohol was okay. It was considered okay in our family, but it was, uh, it was not okay to do drugs and, and, you know, drugs definitely became a very big problem for me. Um, but when I think about it, when I actually really think about it, um, drugs and alcohol were always related or tied to my eating disorder or disordered eating, um, alcohol, was uh, a way for me to kind of calm my brain. When I did discover pot, which wasn't too far out, you know, it was definitely in early high school. Um, uh, pot like just gave my head a calming. It was, it was really um, amazing. It just calmed my head down just ever so slightly so that I could, uh, you know, not, not be so obsessed all the time. But also, I remember there was a definite um, correlation between calories and alcohol. And I knew, I mean, I knew that it had empty calories. And I was not really happy about that. My drink of choice in high school was like pop off or just terrible vodka with crystal light crystals, no water. Mm -mm. And, you know, the crystal light crystals, oh my gosh, the lemon crystal light. And, um, yeah, that's what I, you know, that's what I would drink whenever I could, um, which was quite often. Um, but pot didn't have any calories. And I remember really having these incredible games with it. Like other people would get the munchies. And of course I did too, but I did not give into them. I found it like a huge power trip to, um, get high and not give in to the, the munchies. And if we'd go to like the Kisco diner at night and people are getting cheese fries and all these nasty things. And I would just be, if I got anything, which was rare, I would get a, like um, a plate of or a bowl of pickles. And yeah, so that was kind of my um, experience there. And, you know, I have to also put some context in this too. You know, my my mom was heartbroken and she was going to either pre-law classes at Pace or she got into and started attending Fordham University in Lincoln Center, uh, Fordham Law. 
So she was really determined and focused on getting her law degree. Uh, my dad was gone. We, I, you know, he left and it was expected of us to go, you know, over to his condo or his little townhouse on, you know, Thursday nights for pizza. I missed that all the time. I didn't go a lot of the time. He had, he was just completely not part of my, my regular life. He was insisting that him and his, uh, love who became his wife, Laurel, um, they were united front and, you know, we had to accept her and I absolutely did not accept her. And it was really horrible. Um, it really, really was not, uh, a good situation and it didn't get better for a really, really, it, you know, it didn't get better. And so, um, I think that, it's really also important. I would felt very different than my brothers and sisters. Um, I always have. Uh, <clears throat> and so I was going to this school, uh, a private school, but I was coming home every day. And then I started going to um, parties with my sister, Jen. And I later found out that she would basically tell her friends that you know, and she was very popular and very beautiful and blonde and a student athlete, fantastic student, fantastic athlete, well-liked, had a really strong group of friends. They were called the mob. Um, and she basically told them that, you know, if they're going to be friends with her, they had to accept me. And so I started to go to some Chappaqua parties with my sister. Um, and I didn't really realize she had made this like demand on her friends. But anyway, I felt um, I was really happy to be kind of a fringe member at best, but uh, kind of fitting in a little bit in in town. Um, So I had my school friends, um, which were really incredible. You know, they basically had apartments in the city and we could run like wild um, because there wasn't a lot of parental. So there was my friends from boarding school, but I wasn't a boarder. I was a day student. So I had boarding friends that had apartments in the city. We'd party there. Um, We were definitely wild and unsupervised, Um, really fun. But when I look back on it, totally dangerous. And then I also had Chappaqua friends through my sister, Jen. Um, So I had two partying scenes. I can definitely say that they were both um, uh, kind of crazy. Um, I didn't have any regard for myself. I just, you know, would drink and do whatever was available. And um, it was, it was wild. It was definitely um, a different, I can't say one scene was worse than the other, but I would say that the Chappaqua scene um, was, uh, was less scary in a way because I felt like Maybe I had some peripheral parental going on. Whereas when I would go into the city with my friends from masters, it was, uh, you know, clubbing in the city. And I felt like I was like way over my head. Um, But also I felt like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been invited to this. Uh, I have to be cool. I have to do whatever people are doing. And yeah, so it was... um, it was a really bizarre time. I definitely felt 
peer pressure. And I definitely felt like I um, was trying so hard to fit in, even though I wasn't like I was, I was definitely different, but I was definitely, um, you know, wanting acceptance and wanting to feel like I was a part of. So yeah, I just thought that um, I would come on here and give you guys a little bit of a, a, a background of what's going on. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of some of my experiences in high school. Um, I I definitely um, feel that drugs, you know, and alcohol were ways or manifestations in a way of my eating disorder. And I definitely, I've never been bulimic, but I would definitely make myself throw up after drinking like very regularly because I wanted to feel good in the morning if I had school or later I had work. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really, it's all, I think a real manifestation of the, the eating disorder or disordered eating. Um, I know that, uh, you know, I think of my eating disorder as my dark passenger and I apologize for the dark, the Dexter reference, but it really does resonate. Um, you know, and my, my dark passenger was really out of control my senior year of high school. I felt like, uh, um, uh, I was just this, postcards from the edge. I was just one slip away from total disaster. And I had worked so hard in high school um, to be at a regular school that didn't have a learning disability program. Um, and I had really figured out how to discipline myself so that I could work. I mean, I would go to the library all the time. Um, and when I did party, it was in fits and spurts. But um, on a regular basis, I was just working my butt off. And then my senior year, I just, the wheels came off. I like could not keep it together anymore. Um, I could not, um, I think that when I look back on it, my uh, eating disorder and my use of alcohol and of drugs um, became out of control, really. So I got into Georgetown. And after that, I was so excited, I mean, just elated because that's where that's my family's school. Um, my older sister and two brothers were already there. Uh, my sister, Jen, had 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 started. She was a freshman when I was a senior. Um, so yeah, I was I was really excited. And it made me really feel like a part of my family, like, oh, my gosh, I actually got into Georgetown. But I knew there was no way I could keep it all going. So I deferred for a year. And, you know, I, my senior year, I ended up dropping my beloved dance company. And, um, you know, I look back on that. And I wish somebody, my mom, or somebody had just shook me, woken me up and said, you know, you're falling apart here. This is dance company is your life. You love it. You know, but nobody told me to not quit. And so I did. And that allowed more time for me to be destructive and, and self-destructive. So yeah, I dropped out of the dance company and I was spending more and more time with like the townies, the kids that weren't in Jen, weren't my sister's friends, but friends that I had um, grown to really, um, have my own kind of circle in Chappaqua, the Greeley kids. And, um, yeah, so it was just really, I was losing myself more and more. And yeah, so that I decided to defer my 
my first year of Georgetown for a year. And that is a whole, that, that decision really changed the course of my life. And, um, well, I think I'll just end this here. So it wasn't supposed to be a whole um, episode, but, you know, I just got talking. So hopefully you've stuck around. You're still interested. Um, yeah, so I'm going to leave it there. And next time we'll pick it up where I'm deferring uh, my college admission for a year. And what I'm going to do, I end up doing, um, you know, an Outward Bound course, discovering Colorado, changing uh where I was going to go to school, applying to all new schools. Uh, I went out to California. I followed fish around for uh, almost a whole year, you know, seven months, I believe. So yeah, it was a really incredible time. The Outward Bound course was uh, absolutely life-changing and ended up getting hurt. But that Anyway, I will get all into these in the next episode. I thank you so, so much for tuning in. Um, if you're struggling with an eating disorder or mental illness or drugs or alcohol, there is so, so much help for you. And, you know, I am here to tell you that I know it's super scary, but there is recovery and there is beautiful recovery right there for you. You just have to make the first step. So um, there's betterhelp.com, nationaleatingdisorders.com, um, the eating disorder help loan, helpline at Clio House. Um, that's 408-931-1176. The nationaleatingdisorders.com is 1-800-931-2237. And yeah, or reach out to me directly. Um, I am not an expert. I have only uh, my entire life of experience, but I can point you in the right direction. You are not alone. There is help and the help is right here for you. So I hope you enjoyed this outtake episode and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much. Namaste.